Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Salt Mine, where we have got a special episode coming at you. Week five of the NACL has just closed out. We're coming at you. My name is Gordo. I am joined by TDS, Nyarko, and special guest Cubby. Welcome to the show, Cubby, NACL color commentator and just got off his first broadcast on the LCS stage. Congratulations on that, my guy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, no, I, I appreciate you guys asking. You know, I, I know I put earlier this year that like, any NACL podcast that one in the chat, you know, just reach out. We'll figure it out. So really appreciate you guys reaching out. And uh, here we are figuring it out and should be fun. Absolutely here. And want to open things up. Let's talk a little bit about kind of casting and uh and development in the in the casting sphere before we get into NACL a little bit, you know. We'll, we'll get to player of the week, I promise, but want to take advantage of the opportunity, you know, you you just take it up your latest big step up along with uh Deserux there and uh yeah, you know, we've we've been grinding it out down here casting as well. Just uh curious to hear a little bit more about your story, give you a little bit of a a spotlight here. Yeah, so like my full backstory is like it goes back to college, right? So my freshman year of college, I competed on uh, Seal, and that I I was like a D one ninety ish LP player before uh, there was like a master tier. Um, so yeah, I like I was super burned out after that split. I ended up going back the second year. I competed, but I co-founded the varsity esports program, Miami University Ohio. So we were the first D1 varsity sports program, and I acted as a coaching director after that. Um, I always loved League of Legends. I, I had a great experience with it. I took a step away after college because I had a startup job. Uh, COVID kind of, uh, the day March Madness got canceled due to COVID, I lost my job. Uh, so after that, I started casting. And at the time, I, I, I hit GM early that season. I had coaching experience and... I made a big league, which was the one, uh, like back then it was scouting grounds, right? So there were six TOs that had the scouting grounds qualifiers to go into the face at scouting ground circuit. That was the one that we had to audition for, or like they actually did like a formal uh, process to select the casters. I had never really cast before and I got in. Uh, so I was able to snowball that. I was the only caster that year who covered all six uh, scouting grounds. Like I was on all six tournaments for scouting grounds um, and it kind of just took things from there and just kept going right uh it's 2021 i worked two other jobs to pursue this and 2022 i was fortunate to get the academy offer and now the nacl offer and then of course this uh past week first time in lcs which was uh honor and a privilege so uh it, it's been a uh, two and a half years almost now uh going on three towards like may uh and yeah it, it's it's been a really good time uh I, I love my job and uh glad i got to do it on the big stage for the first time that's awesome to hear, dude. I, I forgot about the Miami, Ohio connection. I think yeah. I because I've definitely seen you hanging out in the chat and stuff. They were in Risen Divine League yeah. for a split. Uh yeah. when I was I covering coached I remember. Them. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah so I, I coached them in twenty twenty one. Uh and okay. that was like one of the other two jobs I had as well. So I, they like brought me back in like a semi paid position. Um but yeah, yeah my I, it was actually really cool. Like one of the observers that we have, Lorne, he's like works LCS and mm -hmm. NACL. He came from the varsity program so he was like one of the guys like had a sign behind me today like that means a lot to me like the fact that we can help kids in college like go from having an interest like actually working and having a career in that interest is really cool so i always like like it puts a big smile on my face like when collegiate kids are able to pick up jobs especially from the program that i, I had a part in so yeah 
you're coaching for the like I remember you were coaching for them on a, an MU event, right? Like uh, MU Legends, I think it was. Yep, Gateway Legends in 2021. Yeah. So we took Boise out. Uh, they were a scholarship team. We weren't. Uh, and we had subs, so that was like a huge. I, I had a great team. Like, I had a lot of great kids, uh, and they worked their butts off to make that work. So I that was like a, a definitely a big win for us, right? Because there were there were some really good schools at, at that tournament. So yeah, if I'm not wrong, it was the like uh, like trying to think a little bit over that time because I don't have the best memory, but I think it was like the one that that the team for our, from Array and don't remember who else was the one that ended up winning it. If I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the first tournament that University of St. Thomas competed in. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was the team. Yeah, I remember because I, I, I like, I was still trying to get involved. Like, I remember 2021, like, that's the year I started as World Casting. But I, mm -hmm. like, since I'm not from NA, I absolutely had no idea about the NA sphere. So I, I was trying to follow up a lot of the tournaments and all that. And that's where I began looking at the silo as well, like that particular tournament. That's why I also got into like the array high train to call it that. And that's yeah. why I'm also rooting for him so much right now. I was just going to ask Cubby a little bit about um, kind of taking casting offline in a way, just moving to LA, you know, being in a casting house and how that's all treating him. But oh know, yeah, that was just kind of a relaxed thing. No, uh, I mean... I, it's been fun um like it was it wasn't a tough move for me because like i i love my job and i knew that like this was the step i had to take to uh like you know be a like be able to show up on lcs and also just pursue my job and take it more seriously like this is the best thing i could have done for myself um it was a tough move in the sense that like i also love chicago like i i had great family and friends there i mean uh, the academy schedule, like, was we were Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Uh, so, like, I was able to go downtown and hang out with, like, friends that I grew up with and I'm very close with on the weekends, which was a lot of fun for me. Um, I saw, like, a couple friends get engaged and married and, like, enjoyed that very much in person last year. So, leaving that was hard. Uh, but, I mean, being out here has been a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm having a good time. I love the fact, like, you know, I, I've got my Raising an A podcast from the couch. I We look forward to that every week. Um, and... I've been able to connect a lot deeper with the scene that I cover out here, which I think is very important for the craft. Uh, so that like that that's all been really good. There's so many good people out here that have really helped make the movie easier. So uh, it's been good. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear, man. You mentioned earlier, you know, OQs uh, have been going on in the background. And you haven't been able to keep up with those as much. Have you been uh, staying up to date with the uh, with the kind of NACL OQ scene, getting ready for relegations and all that stuff? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a second tournament. Uh, and, and so I, I think that what I'm going to do for this one is I definitely actually want to have a day where I go through, like, all the quarter semis and finals games. Uh, I know that the results, obviously, like, uh, Native was knocked out. That was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, I know Maryville moved on, which I, the fact that we have a collegiate team, again, that competes at that high of a level uh, below NACL, I think, is always very exciting for me. Um, so I, I've kept up in the, like, the sense that I know what's going on. But I can't like go. I I can't tell you like oh like this game or like this draft was good or you know like these things were good because I the amount of tape I've been able to catch is literally just stuff that like you know you guys send me. It's like hey check out this play or like a highlight like hits Twitter right. Yeah, for sure. It's a crazy scene. It feels like it's going well. So first of all, now it's on the same days as NACL, right? Which means like there's a crazy yes. amount of it's North really American. Hard. Yeah, so yeah. much North American League of Legends on Saturdays and Sundays now. Um. 
yeah, and on top of that, it's like on the OQs and everything, especially in the uh, in the earlier stages of the tournament, both in Swiss and when you're in groups. It's just there's so many games going on all simultaneously. It's, it can be hard to find them for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, like, I mean, I feel bad like I'm not kept up, but also like in the time that those games are played, I'm getting ready to do my job. So I, I just have to go find a time to like, you know, put that time in later. And because like we'll have a break before the promo relegation tournament, I'll have plenty of time to prep and also sit in on scrims to get you know, more, more feedback on, like, what's actually going on from that tournament. And I'm glad that now we're getting, like, a, a more, like, centralized way to see the bots. Because I remember when the OQs were starting, like, it was really yeah. difficult to get actually the bots for them. So I'm glad. I think it's uh, Smax that is doing it. Like, getting the bot, uh, Smax and Elk Battery. So yeah. I was thinking that they were doing no, that. So it's important. No, like, big props to them and everyone that's helping them to chip in and get them the bots so that everything's in the same place. I, I think it's very, very important for the scene. Yeah, keeping a track on those, like even us that that we're watching it more directly, like it's still kind of hard to keep track of all of them because the games, some of the games were done at the same time. So if they didn't have like the direct broadcast that were covering it, we could also miss out on some of those games as well. So it was kind of difficult, but it's good that we're getting that. And just quickly jumping in here, you, I want to give a shout out. I think that the Salty Runback's been doing a really good job just centralizing a lot of the information regarding the qualifiers, and you can just check through Grapes's Twitter uh, when these things are going to be scheduled, what Twitch channels they're being broadcasted on, and eventually, as you're talking about TDS, where they're going to be saved. So I really like the fact that we've been given the space in the amateur community to just kind of assemble a whole infrastructure to really make sure that people can catch all these games in the qualifiers. And they've been banging has been very very exciting yeah narco internet struggling a little bit there but you can hold on it's all right i we, we got i i think it's we're just barely audible uh, i was just gonna say at least we got the shout out to salty Runback, and we also got the shout out to everyone here so like exactly that's i'm gonna i'm gonna keep that shout out train going i uh just to uh to Lost emphasize to even more for that's sure it. man to emphasize <laughs> uh what how much smacks and grapes i think have accomplished and, and alk battery uh in particular just because uh coming into these oqs you know behind the scenes it was a little bit uh unclear you know who is going to be broadcasting because rally cry is only uh personally streaming you know one one series or whatever a day um and it was pretty unclear in like the oq discussions for a while like we had all these community streamers, but who was going to get Tournament Realm access and, you know, who would be able to cover things. And a lot of those opportunities didn't really end up working out the way that I think everybody would have hoped. So the fact that they've taken it upon themselves to go out and make sure that all of the OQ games get streamed, that uh, they're going to be using, you know, their own TR access, that even when they're not on the Rally Kai stream to go back and uh, make sure that these matches get covered has, has been huge, I think. We were dang I think we were closer than a lot of people might realize to not having a lot of these games streamed. <laughs> anyway, that said, let's get into some NACL discourse, what we're all here for. We open up Cubby every week here on the Salt Mine with uh, discussion of player of the week. I think it's going to be particularly uh, tight Ooh. this week as a race uh, because there were so many fewer games. So many teams only played one match. Uh even the teams that did play multiple matches, a lot of them ended up splitting a bunch of games. So, going to be a tight race here. As always, I'm going to let others give their takes first. Uh, who have we got contending for Player of the Week here? 
So for me, I really want to focus in on Wildcard because they had a very interesting set of matchups, even over the course of a very accelerated weekend. And in particular, I want to highlight Soligo on just a few standout performances. I think that they were instrumental, if not the single and most valuable player when it came to their second game against Dignitas. They also performed very well in their first game against Fly Challengers on that Azir. And I think that all combined, Wildcard just having the most exciting and scrappy games we've seen in the league recently makes me want to highlight them a little bit more and this time i think focus has to go over to their mid because of it i i think soligo has actually been kind of slept on this year i think it's been a big part about wildcard's success um because like all he's doing is playing these control mages and again like when you pair that with like ash zyra the, their ability or like you know all these like control they pick strong bot lanes, but also, like, the wild card for me is a team that drafts for how their champions interact, like, in fights and not in lane. And I think Saligo is a really big part of that, because, like, his control mages, he's the one that has to get them through lane and then get to the later stages of the game where wild card drafts to be successful. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's the reason that they, they won a game against Dig. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that that second game against Dig, I mean, I it was already, I think, in a lot of our minds, uh, especially going back to week one, where they were doing those Zack Oriana drafts every time they could get it available. Uh, but Soligo's Oriana is just elite. Like, there is, you cannot... He's a slept on champ. She's a good champ in general, and, you know, it's, I think, really standing out this week as it's not just the, the combinations and the team comps that they were drafting around it. I think Soligo is just individually probably one of the better if not the best orianas in this league he's just fantastic on that pick yeah i think all solid picks when you when you really think about it uh, like i was talking like i remember talking about soligo because i feel like people obviously they can like they tend to remember the meme parts when you name soligo because of how the discourse or not the meme but the discourse around him when he was like playing in the academy and then lcs the scene kind of affected but I think that he was one of the parts that I was more confident in when looking at wildcard. Now, for me, I'm still much more on the side of XU. Like, I, I feel like Deke, like everything that works through the, from Dixie is so effectively through XU. And I, I really like XU on the uh, on Dixie. Like, even though they split games this week, I, I think that, that XU was doing a really good job at keeping a lot of the consistent leads from Dixie in their favor. And obviously Insanity also has a lot of part in that, but I really, really enjoy how like XU has been performing overall. Like, to me, looking like the best jungler overall in my eyes. Is that your second XU pick in a row, TDS? I gotta yeah. ask. Yeah. All right, man. Ride in the XU train. Amazing. Like it's the first time I've done this for a player that is not a mid laner. <laughs> I mean, I think the XU is a pretty good choice. I think that they continue to impress. And given the fact that I'm also giving a highlight to a 2-2 two and two team on the week, I think that it's perfectly fine if the player of the week still has a shaky game here or there. I don't think that their performance on Sejuani versus uh, 100 Thieves was very standout. I think that they kind of struggled in that matchup a little bit. But in the first game of the series, they made up for it. I think that they had a really, really good showing on Lee Sin. So... With that in mind, inconsistency does not, I think, bar someone from being highlighted as player of the week because they peak so high. And because of that, I think XU is very justified. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up going off of a player who I've been impressed with throughout the split and I think showed an additional layer this week that I would like to recognize. And, and for me, that's going to be Fake God. 
Uh, I think Fake Gods had a really solid split all around, and I've been looking for an excuse to highlight him in particular, although I think all of C9 has been fantastic. Uh, Aminus, of course, as well, but I think across the board they've been great. Um, But what really stands out to me about Fake God this week, on top of the fact that he plays with two different mid laners this week and sweeps both series, uh, which can be said for the other three as well, uh, is he rattles off three games of Deathless Scion in this uh, in this week, and it's just really not a pick that I associate with him. I think of him as more of like your bruisery carry kind of centric player, uh, but he does a great job up against both Gamsu and, and Hauntser, who has also been fantastic throughout this season, but, you know, he gets held down, I think, pretty effectively by Fake God Scion, and then he swaps up the matchup and plays Fiora pretty effectively as well up against him. Um, so that, that's going to leave me picking up fake God this week. I C9 was the one team that went 4-0. We did have a short week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my pick would actually be, uh, it's gotta be lost or Zazel again. Like mm-hmm. this bot lane is just too good. Uh, I, I, it really feels like just given the meta right now, like I, I, I think that C9 dig are the top two teams. Uh, I, I think, again, props to Wildcard. Like, they've been playing really well. I can't put them in the same tier, though, because those two bot lanes are just way too damn good. Uh, and, and I really think that come best of series, when teams get to prep for Wildcard, I'm really curious what happens. and Because I'm also curious what happens when Wildcard gets to prep for teams. Because uh, they've pulled out a lot of stuff already, and I'm really curious, like, how much more they're going to open up the book when they do go up against Dignitas. Because for me, Dig is like a nightmare matchup for them. Because wildcard again is all about getting to the later stages of the games where you know you scale and then you get the team fights right. They they team fight well and they draft the team fight well. Dignitas been drafting to full court press. Like for me, Xu isn't the strongest member of that team because all of his lanes are winning and he just gets to play through and around winning lanes. Right. Uh, I I think that that's like what should have beaten wildcard. And if that bot dive goes right and Diamond doesn't like take two tower shots and the third wave, <laughs> I do think that Dignitas wiped fourth wildcard again in game two. Now, obviously, a lot of other things happened that game, and Wildcard deservedly won the game, right? Uh, but I, I think that, like, it's really interesting how important it is to have a good bot lane. And for me, Lost and Zazel have just been, so, like, them and Tomo and Diamond have just been on another level compared to everyone else. And I think touching on the Wildcard, like, the Wildcard game, uh, I was watching it because I, I do, like, I didn't watch it live. I just, like, first I saw the comments, and then I watched it through the repetition. And to me, like, Dixie had like the first game was such a dominant performance by dig like i was surprised how well they just deny everything from wildcard in that first game like the first game was just clear cut what their plan needed to be and they just completely like they didn't they, they didn't have a high kill count they didn't have a lot of like uh aggression but it's just clear cut domination in the way that they play that out and i think that the second game even though i do i do agree like wildcard played that out well with their composition like I just feel like if that go if that goes in a series, I don't see Dick committing the same mistakes that, that like they did in the second game for them to fall, uh, fail to Walker in a series. Like I just see Dixie going for three one or three even three zero in a series against Walker. I think they are a really difficult matchup for them, and I think it's exciting thinking about it when we go to that uh, later portion of the of the season how they are going to perform against certain teams. I also wanted to say we should do a, a, a like a what do you call like a post uh standings like what we did at the start but after i don't know i don't know how it's called power rankings uh, 
yeah, like what we did at the start. But now that the season has moved a little bit forward to compare to how badly we were at the start. Do we yeah. really want to give Bonfire the space to gloat about his dig call, though? That's what I'm afraid of doing if we do we give it so like that in the but... what, what, what were some of the fun ones that I, I would have missed? Uh, uh, we put fear at 16, uh, but I think that we were all like had a bad taste in our hey, mouth. Hey, 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 you guys put fear at 16. <laughs> I put fear I at 13. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Big difference, yeah. I, uh, no, I have faith uh, as one of the better provisional teams. Um, I'm still a faith believer. It's just that now that is like 100% memed even by myself. Yeah. And then the big one is we our, our good friend Bonfire, who cannot be on the show tonight. Uh, he was on the dig train from day one. He had dig number one. So and relentlessly flamed for uh, doing so. Yeah, he gets no. To... I I mean I again I thought for me like when I looked at the rosters this year, I thought there were like probably six or seven really competitive teams. Uh, that I like if any of those won, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I didn't have wild card in that list. I didn't have golden guardians in that list, and I think those two are in the list now. I did have EG, but they don't have King in, so I'm gonna kind of put an asterisk on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a competitive league this year. Uh, like I think that uh, the level of play has been a little bit lower, just given that we did expand. Uh, but some of the teams I think are playing at a pretty high level, and I'm really excited to see uh, those teams clash as we get closer to the double elimination bracket. I want to take this chance to say I did believe in GGC. I was the only one, so I'll take that a small price. But I did, I did say. Flyzy was going to be below, so I'll also take that hit. <laughs> and just to get us back on track a little bit with this discussion, looking forward towards especially the double elim bracket, as Cubby's talking about. I think that Captain Dig is kind of this, like Batman figure, where they're going to do fantastically with a bunch of prep time, is probably a really good call for me. The one thing that stands about about Wildcard and makes them so interesting to watch is the fact that they are perpetually very very scrappy. But that scrappiness doesn't work if you are kind of wise to their tricks or you're able to box them out early. And I think DS, as you were touching on with the game number one between them and Dig, it really is kind of a struggle for them that I hope that they overcome and adapt to as we move deeper on in. And I feel that there are a few teams that can leapfrog them if they aren't able to get that scrappiness under control or they can't direct it in a way that keeps them competitive for full best of three, best of five series. Before we move, like I, I want to touch because now I think it's a good opportunity to also say that Wildcard and Fear probably not playing for the same as the other team. So I think that that's also something that we need to take into consideration when talking about them, because as long as they stay up, I think that they, they feel like they accomplished what they wanted, which is also how important it is that they have been able to perform to such a good level. Yeah, really the, you know, the, the not getting relegated line is, is huge for those guys. Uh, absolutely. Especially when competing against so many affiliate orgs, um, uh, not just the challenger teams, but, you know, TL first fly fam, uh, CLG Faith, those guys, uh, and even you know AOE is the like the the tentative Golden Guardians connection, right? It seems like it's kind of just a little bit of a uh, uh, agreement to to loan out the uh, the the training center, right? But still, um, huge. You know they would not have been the teams that people would have picked right at the beginning, and uh, I think it is huge for them to be able to make that move up here um, and really kind of contend with some of the big boys you know wildcard and fear both i would say are you know they're they're easily top 10 and you know from time to time inching themselves looking like they're a little bit more towards top five i 
I know the wild card has rightfully gotten a lot of credit for, you know, being uh, playing their unique style and, you know, being the way they are. I also want to credit Fear, though. I feel like Fear has to get a lot, enough credit for also having a unique take. Like, these Olaf Seraphine comps are legit. Uh, like, you need, I think you need to ban Olaf and Seraphine from this team. Uh, and I, I think that they actually play, like, really solid. I mean, I I had confidence that the roster would be okay because I thought that Faisal and Perry were both Challengers Devils players based on what we saw from them last year. But I've been really surprised by how much better Manui's been this split. Really surprised. Because, like, again, I got to watch a lot of tryout tape because I was a coach for TL's tryouts. And also just sometimes I get to see other tape. Uh, and Manui was has been playing a lot better now than what he was in tryouts and has really improved. And I want to give him a lot of credit for that because I think that is a big part of the reason why Fear is exceeding a lot of the expectations that we had. For sure. Fear, I think, is a team that we have kind of fluctuated in terms of highlighting because when they were near the top of the standings, I think that they were tied for first for about like a few days. Um, we were definitely more on the fear train than the wildcard train, but, you know, fickle as the bracket is and we are... I think that that has pivoted a little bit, especially with all the talk of Moose Hater and whatnot to bring eyes back for wildcard. But something to note this week, you know, they 2 0 against Fly Challengers, really dominant games, very, very impressive showing, I think, from here to keep them as like top contenders. Uh, and as you kind of highlighted there, Cubby, very impressive kind of, I think, shuffling of priority and shuffling of focus to kind of really show that every single player on that team is a winner and someone that you can really kind of focus upon. Minui with a really good stuff on Seraphine in game number one, and then followed that up with a humongous performance on that Zaya as well, alongside Trevor just being a solid rock, uh, both as an engager and disengager. I've been really, really looking forward to their performances every week, and I hope that continues from here. For sure. I'm kind of curious because now the the oh wait well actually I kind of want to ask this of you, Kavi. We were you down on fear because of what happened early on, or were you always like this team like just by the players they should do good enough? I I think the way that I ranked the provisional teams is I actually had. AOE and Wildcard, I think, were my top two. And then I had TLF and Fear next. Uh, and uh, I think a part of that reason was, like, a lot of the tape that I saw in Manui uh, last split. And then also, um, like, in tryouts. And I think that he has drastically improved. I also thought, I think I think that uh, Shochi has done, he's held his own and done a lot better than, like, hold his own. Um, I know that he had a really good split in like uh summer of last year um so i i i wasn't quite as high on shochi as i was on faisal because i i faisal like for me is actually a really consistent player like if it if you're a top laner and you can at least somewhat know how to like manage lane states uh given like where your jungler is pathing and how the other jungler is pathing like i think that you're ahead of a lot of the top laners at this level and i thought the faisal had that in amateur uh, along with like some good moments when he was weak-sided or strong-sided so I, I was pretty excited about faisal um, so I, I, I guess I, there were some surprises for me with this team and obviously like they're higher up in the standings for a reason. Um, and I'm really excited to see what happens in, uh, double elimination. Cause again, double limb, that means a lot for our provisional teams and all it takes is one or two best of threes to go differently for, you know, a lot of what we've seen for the vast majority of the season, uh, to put one of the teams that, you know, has been struggling it, you know, in uh, the realm of safety or vice versa. For sure. I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. I think that they will have kind of a new look and kind of bring back some of those 
been talking about earlier about prep time and just being able to figure out some of these strategies that have carried some of these teams throughout the split. But mm-hmm. I got to say, Cubby, um, I think that you had a pretty realistic uh, ranking of these provisional teams, especially versus what I did. I just double dug my grave by saying not only do I think that the coaching isn't the issue with fear. I think that the players are just bad and I have been eating my words ever since I, this has been a running theme. I don't remember. Cause I was super high on Faisal before we recorded our first episode. And mm-hmm. then I immediately dropped him back down the power rankings from looking at like one or two games. And from there, ever since it's just been humble pie all the way, he's been really, really impressive as well. So kind of going back to what I was saying before consistent team all the way through. It's and all right. Hope to see it's fine. It's it's good to eat some humble pie sometime. I've uh, you know I, I've definitely had a good taste of that in my my past. So you know it's uh, it's it's good times. So, moving on, uh, we've got a promotion this week for arguably yeah. the first official promotion from the NACL as MNS has been moved into, in theory, the LCS starting roster. They say they're trialing him in the announcement. Uh, but Diplex did play an, an ACL game. So let's start off with some discussion of MNS. You know, this this in particular, uh, maybe we clip for fans of the LCS here uh, who maybe don't watch as much NACL. What are our takes on MNS coming in? Because I have been high on this guy from the start. I mean, he had an explosive entry into the NACL with a bunch of solo kills in that first week and uh, has just been racking him up ever since then. I mean, he's been clearly... Yep one of the biggest and best mid laners we've got in the NACL. What are our expectations for him moving into the LCS? I I think the expectations for Eminez are what they always have been, and that is that he is mechanically a, an incredibly gifted player, uh, but he's this is the fifth region he's played in for a reason, right? Uh, and I think that some more of that has come to light on, on Twitter. I don't, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, and I, I don't want to perpetuate you know too much of it, but... Uh, I, I think that the goal for C9 with Eminez and the reason why he started in NACL is that they know he's a really good player and they wanted to see if he can handle competing at that level and then the highest level. Uh, and so the fact they're trying trialing him now makes sense to me. Uh, and I know that it kind of sucks for Diplex to be on a 7-2 and two team and playing fine. Uh, but also, like, the guy has 26 solo kills and the next closest in his position has 10. Uh, I think that says a lot about how well someone's playing in the span of like what 20 22 games that that that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I think certainly Eminence has kind of demonstrated that he's that guy and deserves the chance and I think that it's a good sign for the NACL and for the LCS proper that they are giving him the opportunity to at least show what he has on the main stage and while it does feel bad for Diplex I think that he too can easily make a name for himself and also demonstrate that he's at an LCS level by continually performing as well as he did versus TSM this past week right absolutely smurfing it on I think it was Silas and then Jace mid um and that's very impressive stuff. So I think that hopefully there will be some kind of solution that allows for both of them to find the spaces that they are most deserving of being in. But I'm happy that Eminus is at least giving it a shot. Yeah, I, I think something else that I like to consider is that um, I know it's C9. Like, I think both these pickups were very influenced by their uh, coaching staff. Uh, I, I think that I've... I mean, I, I think for me, C9, like, it's one of their greatest strengths and weaknesses for me is their the trust that they do put in their coaching staff. And I think that's a very... It, it, I say that, like I said, I call it a strength and a weakness because, like, I thought we saw that last year, like, when you look at summer versus spring, because spring didn't work with the fudge roll swap. 
Uh, but for me, it's a very respectable flaw to have, right? Because you're putting belief in your people and like what your people believe. Uh, and I, when I saw these two mid lane pickups and like I talked to some people over in EU, they definitely felt like, hey, this is like pretty influenced by Vigarvi too. Uh, he's always been on the Diplox train, you know. Uh, Eminem is like again very, very freakishly talented player. Uh, so I, I'm really curious to see how he does at the next level and if he is able to compete up there consistently and it's going to be good for the team. Because uh, honestly, I, I think the what Eminem has faced in his past, it, it really has never been about his play. Uh, unless he's running it down. And if he's running it down, it's usually because of his attitude. So there, there are bots of that. Uh, so I, I, the guy's been nothing but good. Um, I, I heard that behind the scenes, like he's given some really nice interviews. I, I think I've heard behind the scenes he's been okay so far. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to work with the LCS team. I think that C9 has a lot of really mature personalities that can handle that. Like I trust that Sven and Fudge can handle that. Uh, and not to mention the staff. So uh, the guy's a freakishly good player, and we'll see if it helps increase C9 ceilings. I think that's what the move's being made for. You're not making a move as a 7-2 and two team uh, if you're not trying to get a better ceiling out of it. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what we're... Like, we we talked about this a little bit on the like on the chat from here before uh, when the move was happening, and I, I think like the consensus is the same here in the sense that I don't think that Diplex is necessarily bad. I don't think that the, the idea of the movement was because... Uh, Diplex was uh, Diplex was underperforming compared to the rest of the team. I think Diplex was doing fine enough, but the ceiling of the team feels like with MNS could be higher. Like the diff I think the difference there is between wanting to get to to only be able to win uh, the LCS or trying to go a little bit deeper, maybe international as well. Like I think that's the difference that they are trying to look with MNS, and I feel like MNS is a good enough mid laner to be looking potential into that. Especially because I think that the mid lane pool in the LCS did improve a bit compared to where it was last year. And I think that having the MNS bringing the mix of, of his solo kill potential and all that is a really good idea for C9. Also, like, in a role that, do, like, recently I don't think consistently you see that many solo kills. Like, you have to be doing something consistently good to get that many solo kills in mid lane particularly. I, I will say that his champion pool definitely is more lane-focused and assassin-focused. Uh, so, I, as always, there's more behind the stats. Uh, but still, you cannot discount that this guy's been so freakishly good uh, in NACL, and I'm really excited to see what he does in LCS. Maybe C9 Actually, just I... saw the extra engagement that Zven got from that handshake drama, and they just said, we want some more spice, so we're just going to be bringing in MNS as the mid laner and see if that leads to some more Twitter threads. MNS, go go like the tweet where it says that the fraud's been benched. That's yeah. that, that's what C9 did. Yeah. It's actually that's the coaching staff too. It's actually the coaching staff at all levels. That's the, that's the content staff. <laughs> see, as long as he as he's working out that effectively already for the C9 brand, doing an amazing job. I will say though, one thing that I wanted to touch because talking about the like the changes and you touched on the balding from C9. I was expecting to see C9 like C9C players go up. I was thinking it was going to be lost and say so, not on the C9 team. But I really? was thinking some LCS team would take them, like uh, because oh. some like if an LCS team struggles, I was thinking the first ones to go would be Lost and Say So because I think that they are a good bottling, and they also have LCS experience, and it's something that a lot of LCS teams do value a lot when they take like from below. So I was expecting them to be taken, but like it's surprising to not see them yet considered, not for the C9 main team, but for other teams maybe. That's that, that that's interesting. I, I know that in the terms of Zazel, first off, I think that whenever Zazel's competed, he's been very good. Um, but I, I I know that Zazel, I, I, he might be at the point of the of, of like his career where like he can afford to be picky. 
Uh, like I know that he likes C9 a lot. Um, I don't know what his contract's like or like what kind of clauses. Also, like, Unforgiven's in NACL. Uh, so that, like, I don't know what the buyout is there, but if anyone wants to pony up, then yeah. he's really good. Uh, he, he's, he yeah. is probably the best player in the league. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I'm really curious, you know, what, like, kind of ends up happening. Because uh, I do think there are a couple moves that could be made. Another one, um, IMT could put another import if they wanted to play Balulu. Yeah, um, that's my pick for the, that's my call of the split, is that Balulu plays some LCS games. When you're looking at Dignitas and their Challengers team and their LCS team, I, you got to wonder what, what happens there, right? So um, I, sure. I am curious. I am curious to see if any changes are made as we continue throughout the season. Um, obviously, I like to push our Challenger players. I also, like, I, I do really like ABO. He's a great guy, uh, and I think he is a decent player uh, who definitely, like, likes to make plays. But Balulu is also, um, yeah, Balulu is pretty, he's, he's been pretty good so far. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of the thing about Unforgiven as well, right? Is that he he still takes up an import slot. Um, yeah, he's a freak of nature, though. So he is. He's quite good. Yeah. He has been. I was a little underwhelmed week one, but you know, it's blame it on jet lag. He's been crazy since then. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for sure, been a very impressive run from him. The big thing, uh, just to round out the C nine point, you know the. The one thing that shocks me, and maybe it shouldn't, is, you know, making changes on a 7-2 roster. You know, the general truism, right, is, you know, you don't change up a winning formula. You don't make changes when you're already very good. And what's funny about that is the exception to that rule has always been C9, right? Because you flash back to the old school uh, kind of uh, when they were running the Jensen Blabber and Svenskir and Golden Glue duos. Uh, I remember Jat especially, he had a whole spiel about like, why are they doing this? What is this nonsense with subbing out your mid jungle when your team's already doing so well? And then they would go and do it and they would, they still had wins there. They made, they made a great run that year. Uh, they didn't quite win, but they came close, uh, and certainly looked like they were contenders. They, they reverse swept with, uh, like subbing in a mid jungle too. That's pretty impressive. I don't know if that's ever been done before in the LCS or like has been done since. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's Cloud9's the team to do it. It's really always kind of been them who are willing to take these sorts of risks to push themselves to be better, who are willing to revamp their roster uh, that just finished fourth uh, at midseason and uh, completely redesign everything. So they're going for it again here. We'll see how uh, how MNS ends up treating them. Oh, moving on a little bit back away from the LCS, more towards the NACL. I want to talk about Team Liquid, uh, and in particular, I uh, I want to bring up, uh, I want to take a victory lap on being a little bit down on TL throughout a lot of the split, um, and, and I want to ask uh, both Cubby and, and everybody here, um, is, is your take that TL is kind of slumping? in these last couple of weeks where they, they take a, they take a zero two week up against uh CLG and a zero two up against cloud nine challengers. Uh, or do we think they might've been like a little overrated uh, initially as well? Cause I know, I know Cubby, I know the NACL broadcast had two players in their top five off TL challengers. 
Uh, I know a lot of folks were kind of hyping this team up, TDS, as uh, potential split winners. Uh, and they seem to have come, at least in the last couple of weeks, a little bit more down to earth. They've taken some uh, 2-0 wins against some provisional teams in that same time, but uh, definitely feels like they've taken a step down uh, from where people had them maybe two weeks ago. Uh, I kind of want to hear what you guys think first. Because uh, I actually uh, I actually share where you're at, Gordo. I had TL ranked middle of the pack. Let's go! Uh, before no. the season. Right. So I, I'm curious on your guys' thoughts first. All right, I'll bust out second servings of Humble Pie. I think, honestly, Gordo, given the format of the NACL's season, that slumping and being overrated almost go hand in hand and i think that both can be true given that tl had an easier start to the split you can say that their later matchups are both them slumping in terms of their win rate you know deviating downwards but also beyond that it becomes a matter of them just being a little bit more hard pressed in general to perform well and i think that even in the games that we saw this past week up against fly fam there's still clear holes i think in their game plan that makes me say that i overrated them at the very least maybe collectively they're a bit overrated but beyond that i do think that there is a chance as the season progresses and we see the full round robin come to completion that they'll still be able to pull back a few wins here or there but the overarching sentiment that I have is yes, I definitely overrated them. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I really went into this a couple of weeks ago before they came into their matchups against cloud nine and uh, CLG that week is, you know, they were, while they were sitting on top, they, and I guess this is just luck of the draw. They had one of the easiest schedules uh, imaginable through the first maybe four weeks of the NACL. I mean, they've still dodged 100 Thieves. They had dodged Cloud9 and CLG. They've still dodged Dignitas. They've dodged Evil Geniuses. They've dodged Wildcard. Uh, they have really managed to... Uh, they've still dodged Fly Challengers as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so they really have not had to play up against some of the big dogs in the league yet, and their first kind of matchups against them have gone relatively poorly, I would say, in Cloud9 and CLG. It's hard to it's hard to not agree with that. Like set as as one of the if I I think I was even an even bigger bigger believer than Yarko, because I, like I I won't lie I'm biased I I had them number one because I think that they I thought that AP was going to be the best mid laner in the league so I I, I had that bias going in, but I was expecting quite a bit from their soul laners in general both both Bradley and APA I still think that they could be the best in the league but like the team overall has felt kind of weird because I think that they have good pieces. I think that the idea behind it wasn't bad with trying to mix some veterancy with good enough players. Obviously, Arrow being down there in the ball lane, I think, has been a good enough rock, but at the same time, hasn't had the, to me at least, hasn't had the biggest impact possible compared to where I see, like, APA being the one that, if he's doing well, I see TLC winning. If he's not doing that well and he's forced to, do, to, to go for plays and fails, TLC doesn't have that much going. Mir has been really questionable to me. And then Bradley has been really off compared to where I was expecting. And I think a couple of us were expecting him this split. So it's yeah. just weird t uh, from TLC. I still have hope. I think they can still win if they get their things together. It's just that like I I feel like I should be humble enough to say like they probably aren't going aren't going to be the favorites going into it and probably not going to win it. So I, I did have TLC and like one of those six teams that could win it all for sure. And I wouldn't like bat an eye. Um, 
the reason I didn't have them like as my top top tier is that it's actually bot meta. Uh, Kim Down is going from collegiate to this. That's a big jump, and I think that Kim Down is actually doing a pretty good job of making that jump. I think that he's had some bad moments, but also a lot of good moments. Um, but I, I didn't expect him and Arrow to be a bot lane that could stand up to the likes of uh, Lost and Zazel, and then now like you know Tomo Diamond. Um, Unforgiven Destiny. Yeah, that yeah, Unforgiven uh, as well. And then once King gets here, uh, I have mobility is, keeps on improving, which is great. But uh, again, like I, I thought given meta uh, that this wouldn't be the split. I actually think Mirror's been very good. I I do think Mirror's a very good player. I think sometimes he does some really big ints. Uh, but I'm I will always celebrate the inters if uh, you know they they make big plays too. And I do I do agree with you that Bradley hasn't been what we saw at Bradley the last like the end of last summer. I think the top line pulled to get a lot harder with a lot of players returning up there. Um, and with some of the provisional top liners, like being legitimately good, like Faisal and Sniper joining the league, like they were legitimately good top liners. Um, so I think that Brad, like, I, I still think Bradley can scale. And if this was topside meta, I, like this team is win to, this team is built to win through top. Uh, and I, I think that that would, I would start to favor TL a little bit more if that were the case. Uh, but I, I still think it's a, Another part of the reason I think that maybe we've seen them struggle a little bit is that they are going for like really aggressive early game strats and Draven strats. Um, and I think that sometimes like, you know, when it doesn't exactly work out, games just look ugly. Uh, and TL has always been a team that does play through early game and that has paid off for them throughout a season uh, when they get to the best of series. So I, I'm not worried about TL and they are about what I expected uh, with Bradley being a slight, like slightly disappointing for me. And then Kim down... Honestly, uh, the community was really low on Kim Down. Uh, but I was in that tryout, so I'm not surprised that Kim Down's doing as well as he does. But he's still doing a little bit better than I thought. Yeah, I got it. I'll, I'll admit defeat there. I was pretty down on Kim Down coming in. I think yeah. I'm. I'm curious as to your guys' takes. I'm. I'm kind of low on collegiate straight into uh, NACL in general. I just find. It definitely feels, at least, like the level of competition at the, like, qualifier, previously PGQ, now NACLQ level, uh, is a step above what you will generally find in collegiate. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a controversial take. Uh, and I find that when players jump straight from collegiate to this level, uh, or to even higher levels, like uh, when Golden Guardians brought up Iconic and Niles, it has generally gone poorly for them and they've had to take some time to adapt you know thinking back you know even like spyrax it felt like had a really long kind of uh he took like a split to adjust before uh he really could have started contending with players who have been playing at the nacl level for a while and that kind of goes perfectly to something i i think i we were talking a little bit about this like not touching tardy in this on last week and i i get this opportunity to bring back my analogies so perfect opportunity but I feel like NA has the issue, or well, NA, like any League of Legends has the issue that they are trying to mix both collegiate with what you would typically have in a football structure from out of NA. Like they are trying to mix their NA, the, the NA structure with the more like typical structure that you would see in football out of North America. And I feel like that's conflicting because North America traditionally with the sports like basketball and NFL, like how I see it, right? since I'm out from, not from North America, the United States and that, like how I see it, you guys put a lot of focus on taking that ladder from high school to collegiate to professional sports. But in like football, normally, like how I've seen it, 
you just take this straight up. Like you go into football, yes, during your normal, you have the academies and all that, but you can debut at 16 without having to take to go through collegiate and all that. And I think that that's conflicting between the collegiate and the League of Legends scene. Like they are conflicting with both sides. And that's how I've seen like it's probably not the same degree. No, you're 100% right. Like, the argument I always use is that if you're good enough at 16, 17, you can just play pro, right? So then why do we need the collegiate pipeline? And then also, like, these amateur tournaments, they're played online. So there's no limits of what kind of team you can put together. It's not like you don't all have to go to the same school, like, be on a scholarship or not, you know. Uh, there's limits still, right? I think there's a lot of value in collegiate. Uh, but, yeah, like, the as long as the age to go pro is 17, collegiate will never be the pipeline for that. Yeah, like, I think for no... me... Oh, sorry, Mirko. Just, just to quickly, like, I think there's, like, if there's a possibility to find like the sweet spot between both, would be great. But like, I feel like the model, like, they, there still should be like an attempt to try and look at the model. I think that the idea that they have right now with NA, the or the NACQ, NACLQs, is probably the best one because it gives the chance for collegiate as well to join in without having to like try and change everything up so that the the outside teams don't really get the chance either. Yeah. I think that that's probably the best sweet spot at that yeah. point. In the abstract, I really adore the concept of Collegiate League, and I would love for it to be an actual pipeline into League of Legends competitive uh, LCS-style tournaments proper. But for me, there's just a few obstacles in the way of that. I think Cubby highlights one of the main ones, which is not only is the age of entry for a lot of these pros into the LCS or NACL 16 or 17, but beyond that, it almost feels that you will never peak as high as the players that are 16 and 17 and entering into the league right then if you try to move from the collegiate pipeline into these more competitive circuits and for me i just don't really know how that's going to change given that the perception for esports is that by the time you're 25 you're ancient right um i really hope that that, that dynamic is going to get bucked you know faker and deft putting in good work in the lck trying to change that around a little bit but overall i feel that it's going to be difficult for collegiate to ever really be looked at as a pipeline that people consistently push through. Um, and there's also the issue of there just being a lot of, I feel discord at the collegiate level, because after casting a few Maryville games, I can tell you the variation in competition, even at sea law is ridiculously high. There are so many non games that exist, especially during the regular season between the top teams and even the mid level competitive teams that it makes it difficult to feel as if anybody's, truly developing through the collegiate pipeline itself um yeah, i think it takes some other kind of competition like maryville pushing through the nacl qualifiers but i really hope that that can change in the future i think part of that is also just getting a little bit more of a centralized collegiate structure right now you have people competing through nace through necc through clol itself and then you have a lot of teams that just go from random amateur organization to random amateur organization in their tournaments and try to build a team through that. So hopefully we'll see some more coordination on that front. Yeah. The other player that's really kind of surprised me off this TL roster uh, has been Mir. I was pretty low on Mir coming in, and I think a lot of my reasoning for that, you know, obviously he had a great run as as Arthur uh, over on Chiefs. Um is that it, I, I've kind of been moving further and further off of Osh talent lately just because of, uh, you know, how much uh, that region has kind of been strip-mined by NA and the NA Academy ecosystem. I think almost like a, 
a set I, I would even say a step too far in some places where it feels like a huge percentage of their top tier competitors were brought over into academy in these last couple of years and cycled through that way uh and just after kevy last year felt like you know maybe top top of the top of the tier osh players uh do not necessarily translate to being top tier academy players and so i've just kind of started my baseline on them as someone who doesn't watch that much opl uh or lco as it is now uh as someone who doesn't watch that much of that league i'm just coming in on these guys i think a little bit lower these days but mir might be changing that opinion because i mean he's looked fantastic here and and kevy has stepped up this split as well so maybe i do need to revisit that thought a little bit more i if if I've watched the tape on Mir. I was thrilled this guy was going over. He's really good. I had him as my best jungler going into the season with uh, Shaden, like those two being the best. Mm-hmm. And it's not even his meta. Just wait till he starts playing Lee Sin, man. Oh, is Lee Sin so good? I'm excited now. Yeah, we're we're gonna have Lee Sin again. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna Fingers have crossed. Lee Sin. I love that champ. It I, like who who hates like who doesn't like that champ? You know. We're getting the I visual like update. It. They're gonna have to buff him, so people play him. <laughs> They already have. He was buffed this patch. Oh, true. We're true. getting it. We're getting him more top lane, so it's okay. Like, oh, no, true. Uh, yeah. And I honestly, like, I, I didn't, like, I didn't watch previously, like, the buffs that he got. I think top lane actually is going to be much better. Like, looking at how some of the champions are working, I think top He's, lane probably feels better. That's another discussion. But when he is help, like, when you can play him in top lane, it is a problem. I, I don't, like, I, I don't. I think he's too flexible. Yep. Yeah, I well, do love I me actually... some lane sin, but it's a little <laughs> could go a little was... too far. I was gonna touch a little bit of mirror because I like thinking about like the OC situation. I'm like, it's a lot of those players or a lot or a lot of the idea that they come through. Does it have to do a lot with the spawn? Oh, uh, because... I I mean, I mean, I know for a fact with this one, like spawn one a mirror, right? Um, and again, like I have. I went over the tape of Chiefs when they went to Worlds, and like Mirror just blew up that league. And Mirror is mechanically very gifted. Uh, I do not blame him for wanting Mirror. Um, so yeah, I I think that like in that case I I do. I, and I know that also Spawn commented when he first came over like he needed someone that would use the system that he had, uh, and so he got Harry and Ayla right because he knew that like he'd worked those with those with those guys before. Um, so like that was a really big thing for him as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's definitely some influence there. Uh, and I think that TL has made really good choices because of Spawn's expertise with, you know, who they brought in from OPL so far. Uh, again, I, I, I think very highly of Mir as a player, um, thought very highly of Harry and, uh, Eowyn as a player too, when they were in our league and still do. Actually, I just, I, I had a second, a second question. I'm thinking about it because you were like going back to something you were talking about. You were involved in the, like in the coaching trialing process for the team, right? So yep. Do you like? I'm not sure if you can say anything about this or or anything yeah. like that. But do the team like that they pick? Is it more focused for maybe ne- like next splits in ACL or a little bit more in the future than just this particular one? Oh, I mean, of course, right? Like you're trying to make the best decision that you can, and like the criteria that you're making your decision off of in NACL, like the way that I always put it, you're looking for player the the most value you can get out of that uh, like roster is if you have players that are internally promoted. Or externally sold, right? Uh, and so, like a lot of the decisions that are being made by these teams are like, "Hey, who are the players that we can develop? Who can we put around them to make sure that they do develop and are good?" Uh, and kind of going from there, right? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for sure, like TL, 
they didn't want to just get like you know the purpose of NACL is not to get all the best players and go win the league, right? Yeah. Uh, it is to like like Tell have that to a team. Dignitas. Get... Yeah, I mean, like it's working out well for Dig, right? Um, but I like that's what you're supposed to do in LCS, and I feel like Dig has things flipped around a little bit, unfortunately, with looking at where they're at in the standings. But um, yeah, like I, I there, again, there's nothing like wrong with that. Like I think that in the case of TL in the past, like they did win both splits last year uh, because they did develop players. Uh, so like yeah, if your team's good, then you're gonna win. Uh, but no, I mean like they get the most value out of this if they can take players and like internally promote them, like they have, or externally sell them. I mean that's that's the value of the NACL roster slot for all these franchises. So yeah, like you aren't they aren't just going for the best team. They're going for the team they think can be the best or the players they think can be the best, right? So that that's like Kim Down played a lot better in the games that were not streamed, which is why I, I had a lot more confidence in Kim Down. Uh, he also like worked well with Core, uh, who was very involved in the tryouts. Um, so, like, yeah, like there there was a lot of reasons that I had where I was like a lot more confident in Kim Down that others weren't. For like one example, and I, that's like why I wasn't surprised they like in the end they did go with Kim Down, right? Uh, when a lot of people were like they saw like a few stream games, like oh what the hell, like why they pick Kim Down, right? He played bad in those games. It's like no, like I he actually did a lot of good things like in the tryout, right? Uh, so I, I like that's one example where like I. Again, the community saw the tape. They were like, this player is not the best at, at the moment and in those games. But TL thought, like, they saw everything that he brought to the table and thought that he could be the best, right? Uh, and if you want to make that decision in NACL, then I I encourage that, right? Like, that's, again, internally promote or externally sell. That's where you get value. So whatever you can yeah. do to do that, right? And actually, just to follow up, because now I had another one that, that I was thinking about. Like, I think we did mention this, pre I did mention this previously in terms of how like development into players goes in and all that. And I'm like, because I, once again, I watch a lot of football. I'm more accustomed mm -hmm. to football, soccer, for those that like to call mm -hmm. it other thing, but yeah, soccer. Uh, I am more into trialing by fire because I'm more accustomed to that. I see players yep. debut at literally 16, 17 years old because they're yep. good and they trial by fire. How much are, you, are do you think that's worth doing in League of Legends instead of just opting into the academy nor uh, into LCS? Because I think that there's players that you could argue they could make the jump immediately to LCS, and even if they don't perform the best, I think that it's probably better than just keeping them in academy. And I, I'm more on that side. Yeah, I mean it. It is hard, right? Uh, I mean, like for example, I think that Kim Down playing academy for him it, that or NS challengers, I should say, it's the first level I've had. Yeah. Uh, like that is trial by you? fire for him, right? Like he he's only played in collegiate and like OQs where he didn't make quarters, right? So in a sense, being in this league is trial by fire, right? Um, I think that that's healthy, uh, and like I, I'm all for that, right? Um, Masu, another player, trial by fire this split, right? He played in PG, but yep. like I mean, it's his first split. Yeah, everyone has to go through that at some point. I think that like it's just when do you want to pull that trigger and it's a lot easier to do that with your de developmental team than it is for your lcs team where you know you want to put woods on the board and you have 18 best of ones to do so yeah i think that it's felt like like i'm saying i'm probably like the one well, like because of how I, I i have seen sports growing up like yeah. i'm more into just getting them to try out and see how they perform i think lck does this as well like lck and mm -hmm. lek are a little bit more inclined and lpr are a little bit more inclined in that because they also like like probably their sports are more into that side as well and that's why right. they're more inclined into that but i feel like it's such an like such an interesting idea because 
I don't think there's a true and tested method. Like both can work out depending on who the player is and how they try and pull it off. Well, like part of why you see it more in LCK and LPL, right, is that they have a more extensive developmental pipeline, right? Yeah. Because you have trainees, you have your challengers league teams. You might even have another team that competes in the league below that, right? Uh, for yeah. some of these teams, or like you might sponsor one too. Uh, again, trainees are like literally high school kids that are just coming to practice at your compound and work with the coaches you have, right? So then like when they are going to be played in LCK, like you have a lot more confidence and experience with working with them where you can have confidence that's actually going to work. Also the format, you're playing two best of threes against every team in the league, right? So you have more opportunities to actually utilize subs where strategically it could be an advantage, right? Given the format of the week. Uh, so I, I think a lot of that, again, that is just like the pipeline and the ecosystem. That's stuff that NA lacks for sure. Um, like compared to those leagues over there. Uh, and also, I mean, server size, like there, there's a lot of things that go into this, right? Uh, I, I, I'm all for it. I think that, I mean, it has happened like Jojo, right? Like him starting, like oh. it was time, right? He's 17. Uh, and that worked out really well. So I, I think that if you find a prospect that's worth it, of course, do it. Uh, but most of the time, because we don't have uh, the server size, the teams don't have uh, as good of a pipeline as the orgs over in Korea. Uh, a lot of times you end up just plucking players and trying to get them over here, uh, the likes of Bickle Prince. Uh, or, you know, if you strike gold like you do with JoJo, then yeah, of course you strike gold and good for you, right? Uh, but that, that's a lot harder to do here. Yeah, for sure. That, like it makes it more interesting to see how uh, like which things end up working out and i think there's players here to try and pull it off like obviously like you're saying probably better to try them out more in the sense so that they can like, get accustomed to the structure yeah. and i'm excited to see which players probably can break even prayer because like even if they get slotted in in this structure like that doesn't mean that one split from now they cannot just like explode and get immediately into the lcs like a system Kind of similar to MNS, but not to the same extent, obviously. Mm -hmm. Sure. All right. Well, I want to close things out here with a discussion about some of the roster changes we've seen towards the bottom of the league. Uh, so, latest one this week TL first uh, moving Mia off of the roster per their announcement. She's opting to step away, bring in LJX. Uh, FlyFam also moving Maniac back to the sub position, uh, Mabooting Magudis, and bringing in uh, Hyper off of Supernova. Uh, why don't I have the discussion at a higher level, right? So now we've seen multiple players step down from these bottom tier teams, you know, between Goo uh, and then Saranok, and now on to Mia as well. Uh, we won't count BMFX since that was before the split even started. Uh, you know, is there something about the format, perhaps, pushing teams to make these sorts of changes, especially with the risk of relegation? Uh, you know, not to get into conspiracy territory, but, you know, is there something to be said about how voluntary these stepbacks are when you are competing under... A really established organization and you're super early in your career uh curious to expand this conversation a little bit further i think that it's the provisional teams you don't have the same amount of resources um and it's easier for players to step away uh sometimes like you know in the case of saranok he's competing on a collegiate team so what are you gonna like if you're having trouble doing both what are you gonna choose the the small stipend that you get an NACL, I think that if you're really trying to go pro, that is the best choice. 
but also full ride scholarship while you're playing at a school. I mean, I, I really can't tell a player to like pass up on that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, like that's, that's a real life decision to face. Uh, so I, I think part of it's just resources for provisional teams. And then some people realizing that uh, the schedule to go pro isn't theirs and they're, they're out. Um, and yeah, we'll see, you know, what ends up happening moving forward with some of the players that have dropped, but, uh, it's a bummer. And I think that more of the moves have been forced than, uh, you know, teams actually actively trying to make changes. Yeah. And it's kind of curious because I feel like the players that like have stepped down, even though I think the, the most like kind of out of nowhere was Goose because he was looking like one of the best parts from from Fly Fam in my eyes at least. I think that Goo was looking really positive and could have made a really good impact into potentially moving forward with Fly or something like that. But like touching a little bit more on the lifestyle, I think that this is one of the like for some of these players first real chances that they get to to actually feel how it's probably going to be if they want to keep on going for the professional life, how yep. it's going to be for them to really get into the schedule, the yep. practices, the champ pool discussion, everything like that. And obviously like, it's not built for anyone. I won't lie. Like I, 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 like I will say this, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I know the amount of times that you probably need to commit to being a professional athlete. And it's not a life that everyone is willing to do. Obviously the, the shiny parts are always great, but the behind the scenes really does impact how much you want to commit to that. And I understand why some of these players maybe not like willing to take that extra sacrifice. Because like you're saying with Saranok, like he has to he may have to have to take the decision with either collegiate that it's a, a bit more secure and does give him more benefits potentially. And it's probably not to the same degree as uh uh what is the word? Uh like demanding, yeah, demanding as being a professional player player now committed to the professional team. So it's not like you can blame them for that. It's just that like it's the real, real first taste of it. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I've been feeling as the season progresses and I've been watching these lower tier provisional teams and seeing the subs and the changes being made to their rosters is that while I think that there is some amount of driving force that is compelling, you know, FlyFam, TL First, and CLG Faith to all have their changes up until this point, and it has to, to a degree, be tied to their win rate and performance, I can't confidently say that it is the same issue that is causing Mia to depart as it was to cause Saranok to depart or BMFX even before the split started, like Gordo alluded to. I think that it's probably a combination of different factors. Part of it is the fact that people have obligations outside of the NACL, they have either other teams that they're playing for, or they're just looking forward to, you know, setting up their life as a young adult outside of the game of League of Legends itself, right? Um, but there's other people that I feel, you know, may see professional life as something that they initially wanted to go for, but now that they had a taste through the NACL, they feel a little bit less compelled to move in that direction. But, and part of it could just be that people don't want to be on a losing team. They find that they can maybe discover options elsewhere and to what degree all these players operate off of these different factors i don't know but i think that it's hard for me to say that there's anything systemic or even anything wrong with the fact that these roster swaps are occurring um in the specific case of tlf right now i don't really know if this is an optimization before roster lock occurs so that they could do better in playoffs mostly because ljx is not looking like a fantastic replacement right now maybe they'll get their sea legs but as it currently stands if tlf really wanted a hard pivot to be a winning team i feel that this is not the correct choice for the ad carry role 
Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think that that's the case. This certainly doesn't seem like a uh, attempt to upgrade the roster so much as it is a um, an unfortunate situation for the squad that they have to try to remedy. Um, but definitely curious to discuss kind of also what this means back at the NACLQ level, you know, because, I mean, obviously you need to be able to make substitutions, especially when you have these... Uh, uh, provisional organizations with lesser resources who might just be cycling through players at a little bit faster of a degree just because of what they can actually offer those players uh, to keep them engaged. Um, but definitely feels like, like it's hard to feel, and I don't just say this because I'm on their streams every OQ, uh, but you got to feel for like team ambition here a little bit, right? As CLG Faith takes half their roster in the middle of the, of the OQ tournament. Um, to sub not in ideal. for NACL. What was that, Kobe? Not not ideal, you know? No, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's... I, and don't get me wrong, I know the guys over at TA are, are absolutely thrilled to be promoting up players uh, and, and to be this uh, directly involved with the ecosystem. But it does also gotta suck to, to put that roster together and, and lose out on, uh, you know, potentially higher placements and potentially competing to get an NACL Q spot or an NACL spot yourself. Um... So with that said, you know, it's curious as to, is this like, uh, is this a problem at all? Is it something that can be addressed? And, and how would we go about doing that? Well, it feels like, like uh, talking about promoting and demoting players, not demoting, but promoting certain players and things like that. It feels like a lot of that will mainly revolve around the provisional teams almost always, right? Because like the the already sent uh the setting stone teams how do you call them the the fixed the permanent teams, yeah the, permanent members yeah, the permanent teams the fixed teams they don't really need to make changes since they can just take the approach like Kobe was saying they just need to take the approach to develop see if it works out and they can wait until the end of the split i feel like the professional teams are going to be the ones that are more likely and more consistently going to be the ones to look for these changes because like we were talking with wildcard with beer they are already in a good spot but the other four teams need to worry now if they don't do that well about the 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 relegation tournament like they need to be sure that their team is going to work out and i think that the the fact that the NACLQ is up is allowing for or giving the opportunity for these players to be able to move up and down that effectively probably just makes it so that they can always be sure before roster lock that they can get the play the a good substitute or a good enough substitute that can try and help them clg faith still hasn't had the best of luck with that but i think that town and iron should have been in nacl in my eyes as well so it it's not like i'm surprised to see them there and a lot of other professional teams may end up taking that path if the team doesn't work out effectively that quickly I, I think Sketch is actually a good prospect for COG Faith, given the fact that he just roll swaps. I think there's actually a lot, like, some promise there. And I do want, I think that it's healthy to roll the dice on your third team. Uh, and so I, I do like seeing players like that, even if it means that, you know, things aren't going well. Uh, obviously, things haven't been going well for COG Faith, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I expect them to, like, if their play doesn't improve, they're going to lose their slot. Uh, so it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the that's kind of the interesting point, though, right? Is um, you know, you would think, especially historically, with how things have gone with teams like EG Prodigies and Hundred Next and stuff like that, that you would want your third team to be 
gambling on rookies but now in this format especially when you're already in nacl you know gambling too hard may cost you that third spot and now you're you know now you're competing at a lower level now you have to go in through the qualifiers if these teams even stay uh sponsored by their organizations at the point that they're not in the nacl anymore um so that's kind of a new layer, at least to me, it feels like that's a new layer of balance that uh, you didn't used to have to take into account when you were EG Prodigies 100 Thieves Next. You used to be able to really swing for the fences with these teams, and it's like, well, either you make PG or you don't make PG, and if you make it, you compete, and if you don't, you don't. Um, but now it's like it has long, longer-term snowballing consequences where, you know, if FlyFam can't pull it together... Well, now next year, FlyFam has to build a roster to qualify rather than a roster to compete in the NACL. And I am interested to see what the dynamic is going to be for some of these teams that have a... I don't want to say a shot at getting relegated because that sounds like they're attempting to get relegated, but there is a high likelihood or at least a chance that they do in fact get relegated. I would hope and I would love to see these teams stick together to some degree instead of just getting blown up they can continue down that pathway of improvement that we've seen everybody on twitter talk about that is involved with these teams lopoli and myra for clg faith in particular people that i really love seeing all of their content and all of their thoughts on the team and i continue to support them very much because of those two figures often talking about being angled towards improvement and i it would break my heart to see these teams get blown up if they do in fact get relegated but as a system, it would also, I think, be a very good precedent if an involved established team that channels all the way up to the LCS proper is willing to field what is ultimately a high-level amateur roster at that point. So I think that that would be a really good sign for the scene, and it would show the passion of CLG, of Fly, of some of these other organizations to continue to be tied to and interact with the amateur scene proper. And I think that already the fact that TA is being one of these teams that they're harvesting from is actually a really good sign that they have their feelers in that world. And overall, because of that, to kind of lead back to your past question, Gordo, I'm kind of happy with how this current setup works. I understand it feels bad for TA in terms of their roster itself, but I think that for many teams, it would almost be a dream to have some of their players uh, move up and actually uh, like operate with their organization as a springboard. Uh, I know that, for instance, Contingent, the team that I work with pretty frequently, that was you know near the bottom of the qualifier rosters. They would absolutely kill for an opportunity like what Aaron has been given or... or what town has been given so i hope to see that in the future yeah and the good part like i think it's a good setup that they can get for certain teams particularly if teams that not necessarily will always get the chance to move to go higher and be part of those provisional teams since it's going to be com a really big competition and all that and who knows how if other lcs teams will affiliate or anything like that the thing that i'm looking for with teams that are below is if they become like if they want to instead of becoming a provisional team uh, a provisional organization for for the NACL if they decide that they instead want to be a like a selling team because that's also something that 
going back again, back again to football does happen. Like a lot of teams become selling teams instead of actually just looking to be like part of everything or part of uh, trying to make cons uh, competitive teams so that they can be at the highest. They become selling teams and they set up the players, they build them up themselves, they find it, and they just always have a direct like relation with some higher tier teams. They sell it. it I, like one big name that does that is Borussia Dortmund that does that with a lot of their players or Leipzig as well. They do that with a lot of their players. They found them, they build them up, and then they sell them for a really big amount. I'm not sure how much is the NACL sphere paying for players, so I'm not sure if it's a good business model or not, but it would be fun that that's something that like teams can build up to be if they don't re uh, make it into the professional side. Like They can become the team that builds up the players so that others can look into that. And I also want to touch because like talking about uh, the fixed team provisional teams, I think it's fine. But wildcard and like AOE doesn't have and fear doesn't have that leeway of working with uh, like the actual LCSR. So I think that they take it a little bit more like they their desperation to call it like that. It's probably a little bit different compared to the affiliated like LCS sponsored teams because they don't have that like backing to put it like that. For sure, for sure. Well, I think this has already been a long episode, so that's probably going to about close it out here. want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in, and thank you very much to Cubby for joining us on tonight's episode. Really appreciate your time, my dude. Uh, anything you want to say, anything you want to shout out before we close on out here? No. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. Uh, I, You know, I like I said, I, any NACL podcast, be happy to go hop on. Uh, definitely had a good time hopping on here and uh, yeah I appreciate anyone that's making content around the league uh, and appreciate all the work that you guys are doing for the OQs as well especially thanks very much Cubby you'd catch him on NACL every weekend you'd better be watching if you're listening to this show uh, I hope so yeah yeah right. maybe some LCS yeah. And yeah, maybe it, it, was, it, was fun, it was fun to do it once uh, fingers crossed I get to do that more often you know yeah, here and there, perhaps. Well, thank yeah, yeah. you, everybody, for tuning on in. We will be back next week uh, with more NACL action. We're back to 36 uh, games this weekend, I believe. So going to have a big pile of them once again to discuss. We will see you all there.